Hey, good morning, everyone. Great to have you guys today. This is our continuing series called Why Would I Be a Christian? Uh, Whether you are in the room today, watching online, whatever, we are glad you are here. This is part two. So if you were not with us last week, I strongly encourage you to go to our YouTube channel and check out part one. It'll answer some questions for you as we move our way through this series. Hey, before we jump into part two, let's go over our mission. Why do we do what we do at Forest Park Church? Our mission is quite simple to help people follow Jesus one step at a time. That is our goal. That's why we give. That's why we attend. That's why we invite. That's why we have groups. That's why we do everything we do here. We want to come alongside people and help them take their next step. We believe everybody has a next step, whether you've been following Jesus for a week or a decade. Everybody has a next step, and we want to come alongside you, partner with you, help you figure out what that step is, and then take that next step as you follow Jesus. All right, this series is all about answering the question, why would I be a Christian? We chose this topic because we know millions of people throughout the U.S. are walking away from the church and all things religious. And if you were with us last week, then you know in some ways we actually don't blame them. We get it. Millions of people are waking up to toxic religion. They finally see the hollow system for what it is, and they're saying, you know what, I'm done, goodbye, I'm finished with it. They're sick and tired of trying to meet the expectations of other religious people. They're exhausted from trying to fit in. They're done. In fact, that's how you might feel. You're here this morning because somebody invited you to come, and you're like, fine, I'll go if you'll just shut up. Quit bothering me. I'll go one more time. Maybe that's you. I don't know. But they realize, maybe you realize, you only have one life, and you don't want to waste it trying to meet empty standards. People are weary from trying to meet the expectations of a God they cannot see and the standards of a church they don't understand. So this series is designed to answer the question that kind of hangs in the air once I say all of that. Well, then why would anybody be a Christian? Why would I be a Christian then? Of course, we can't answer the question, why would I be a Christian, in its entirety. This is only a three-week series. So what we decided to do was take three big reasons, look at three huge reasons as to why I haven't given up, why I haven't walked away, why maybe many of you haven't. If you're considering becoming a Christian or remaining a Christian, here are some reasons why being a Christian is wise. Here are some reasons why being a Christian is a good idea. Last week, we gave you reason number one, and that is religion I mean, excuse me, Christianity is anti-religion. And if you're with us, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We went right into the heart of grace and what it means. It's not about rules and regulations and high expectations that you cannot meet. It is about the love of God coming to us, loving us, reaching us where we are. So that entire message was about grace. I'm hopeful that it helped you, encouraged you. I got a lot of positive feedback from people saying, wow, it was just so freeing and it was so helpful. Today, we're taking another uh, huge reason why, and we're just exploring it to the best of our ability, and that is reason. Reason number two, circles are better than rows. Today's message is about community. Now, if you've been a part of Forest Park for a number of years, then you have heard the heart of today's message. Uh, It is embedded within our mission statement. It is implied within our values here at Forest Park. We return to it again and again every two or three years. This is one of the messages I kind of put on repeat, and I say, okay, we got to come back to it every few years. It's that important. And here's one of the reasons why it is so important. I have learned over 30 years of being a pastor, vision leaks. 
We do not automatically stay on mission. It's one of the reasons I put the mission statement up every single week, and we come back to it again and again, because I know what, it, what happens to a church if you don't intentionally realign, intentionally recalibrate. You slowly drift to the right. You slowly drift to the left of what your mission is all about. So we've got to make sure that we intentionally stay on mission. You fill the people up with vision. You fill the church up with vision, but over time, that vision leaks. So we have to work on making sure the heart of who we are is constantly put at the center. We got to recenter ourselves, recalibrate to the heart and the mission of why we do what we do. So if you are new to FPC and you've never heard what I'm getting ready to share, I'm so glad you're here because this is going to kind of lift the curtain a little bit, let you see behind the scenes, let you see who we are, why we do what we do, why we act the way we do, talk the way we do, some of the lingo we use around here. And you can decide, yeah, I want to be a part of Forest Park, or you know what, these people are crazy, I heard they were, now I'm confirmed it, and I'm out of here. Others of you who have been here for a while, you've heard this material in the past, take some really good notes, okay, because this is a reminder to you, and it'll help recalibrate, realign who we are at Forest part. All right, let's go. Here's what I know about each of you, whether you are here physically or virtually. Here's what I know. There will come a time in your life. It could be now. In fact, you may be here this morning, and what I'm getting ready to say, I mean, is just a clear example of where you are in life right now. If not, it will happen at some point in your life. In fact, it may happen several times throughout your life, but it is going to occur at some point at some level. There's going to come a time in your life when something happens, something gets flipped upside down, a series of events comes, something goes sideways for you or for your family, and this something, this series of events will cause you to reevaluate everything. Everything you hold dear, every value you hold dear, everything in your life that you thought you understood, the entire world will stop spinning for a moment and you will rethink everything. You will rethink your faith, your marriage, your career, your friends, your values, everything. And when you go through this season, when you face whatever it is, when you are at the point of throwing in the towel on your marriage, your career, your future, your faith, your church, whatever, what do you hope happens at that moment? Who do you hope doesn't throw in the towel on you? And I want you to listen to me very carefully because this is at the very center of today's message. We want to build a church in Elizabeth City filled with people who would come to your rescue if that happened. People who would press pause on their lives and walk over to where you are and help you, save you, rescue you from whatever it is in your life at that moment that is pulling you under. Now, for a lot of you, being a part of a church filled with people who would come to your rescue when you go through a difficult time doesn't seem too exciting. Because for you, church represents tradition and boredom and relics of the past and, you know, archaic stuff and judgmental people who look down their noses at you and judge your behavior and think they're better and morally superior to you and better than you and your family. But that's not the kind of church that we're discussing today. We're talking about a church where your best friends attend, 
where you ask questions and no question is off limits. And to the best of our ability, we give you transparent answers and where you grow spiritually and where you experience a deep sense of mission, where you invest your time and your money and your abilities and your talents and where you want your friends and you want your family to attend and you invite and you're excited when they show up. That's the kind of church we're talking about. We're talking about a church that reflects the words of Jesus in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. That's what we're talking about. That's the kind of church that we dream about and that we work for and we plan for and we give to and we want to be a reality across this city. Now, what I've prepared for you today, I picked up from a distant mentor of mine many years ago, Andy Stanley at North Point Church in Atlanta, Georgia. I listened to him say part of this and the heart of this message and these ideas, and I said, you know what? I was just, 10 years ago, we were kind of making some turns here at Forest Park and trying our best to realign and get ourselves on mission, and I remember sitting there listening and thinking, God, that is exactly what I want to be a part of Forest Park, and I remember taking notes myself and listening and saying, God, I want Forest Park to be the kind of church that I'm going to talk with you about this morning, and, and I want it to be the kind of church that will run to people when they're hurting and run to people when they're confused and do everything we can to gather around them and help them when they're limping and help them when they're tired and help them when they're discouraged. And here's why what I'm getting ready to share with you matters so much. Not only from what I said already, but if my family, this is personal, if my family would have known what I'm sharing with you today 40 years ago, I'm talking about when I was a kid, if they would have known that and practiced it, things would be so much different today. If I had known what I'm getting ready to share with you 25 years ago, things would be different in my life today. And if each one of you who are listening will begin to practice what I'm getting ready to share with you, things will be different for you tomorrow. And here's the heart of the message. Circles are better than rows. Now, you may have heard this before. You may have heard somebody else say it. You may have seen this on Facebook. You may have seen us talk or, hear, or kind of overheard a staff member or somebody else at Forest Park say it. You have no idea what that means. Let me do my best to share what this means and unpack it for you. If you've been part of Forest Park, this is kind of at the heart of, of who we are when it we talk about community and people will passively say, oh, you know, well, circles are better than rows and some people will laugh about it because it just sounds kind of awkward. You know, you don't know what that exactly means. But here, here's the deal. For most of my life, I didn't believe that. In fact, I believe that filling up rows of seats is what church is all about. So everything for a number of years in my life came or it was about trying to do the everything I could to get as many people into rows on Sunday morning as possible. Butts in seats. That was the goal. In fact, we had our own language, you know, hey, how many people did you have Sunday morning? Well, how many people did you have last Sunday morning? Well, how many people did you have this time last year? How many butts in seats? I mean, people did you have on Easter Sunday morning? You know, how many people were on Sunday night? How many people came on? Everything became about attendance and counting the heads and counting the people, filling the rows in the building as if that's what mattered. And for a long time, as silly as it might sound and as ridiculous as it might sound, that's what I chased because I thought that was most important, to get the room filled with people. And if you can fill a room up, not just once, but you can fill it up twice or maybe even three times or four times, then you have succeeded. You have done what you were called to do. Yet the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, 
reveal that although Jesus attracted thousands of people, he spent most of his time with a small group of men and women and poured into them, which resulted in an impact that is still reverberating around our globe today. Why? And make sure you get this. Christianity is not about butts and seats. Christianity is not about a large crowd. Christianity is not about a fan base. Christianity is not about how many people do you have on Facebook following you or how many Instagram followers or how many people in your community know about your church. That is not what Christianity is about. Christianity is about following Jesus, learning to orient our lives around Jesus, and that happens best in circles of committed friends rather than on rows of half-committed strangers. So it is the passion of Forest Park Church to move you and move your family into circles throughout the week, not merely rows on Sunday mornings, because I know the potential of a healthy group, and I want that for you. I want that not just for you. I want that for your kids, so they will learn the value of a circle of like-minded friends learning to follow Jesus together. Learn it right now when they're 8, 9, 10, 11. Learn it in the student ministry of Forest Park. So that begins a a value system in their life to follow Jesus together, to be a part of a small group of friends who will answer questions and ask questions and hold one another and support one another right now. I want that for you. I want that for your kids. I want that for your students. Because it's not about just sitting on a row Sunday morning and listening to some singing and listening to a sermon then going out and eating Mexican food at the end. That's not church. Church happens when you leave here. It happens in living rooms. It does happen in restaurants. It happens in break rooms. It happens in hospital rooms. So our goal is to get you out of here and into groups where authentic friendship happens, where opportunities emerge to serve and to love and to show patience and kindness and forgiveness That's what Christianity is about. It happens outside this room. And what happens outside this room matters most. Now, I know some of the pushback. I've heard it for many, many years. In fact, I used to say it. Well, I don't really need to be part of a group, man. I mean, it helps some people. Some people look at a group as a crutch. You know, some people need friends to help them. But that's not for me. And here's what I've learned. Most of the reasons we provide for not getting into groups, not creating these circles of friends. They're just weak attempts at convincing ourselves and those around us that we can get on in life without emotional intimacy. I mean, that's what we say, right? We don't say that, but in a roundabout way, that's exactly what we're saying because we say things like, well, I can get along without all the props, without all the support. I mean, by the way, my relationship with God and my family, that's a very personal thing and I'm good with coming here on Sunday mornings every now and then and listening to a good inspirational message and hearing some good songs and it makes me feel better and that I'll go out and work on my own spiritual growth on my own time. And folks, I get it. I'm not here to condemn you or make you feel guilty or say that somehow something's wrong with you. I, I get it. Even though I stand on a stage with a microphone and talk to groups of people, I'm overall a shy person. I don't really do great in, in rooms where there's groups of people. I, I, I'm quiet. You know, if you get me talking, I keep talking and keep talking, and then I'm, I'm quiet. I get passionate about certain things and shy about other things, so I understand it. I'm not here, again, to, you know, 
push down on you or make you feel as if you're inferior. I, I understand it. I just want us to admit, though, that a lot of that is an excuse for kind of keeping ourselves at distance from people, and it's really the opposite of what Christianity is. Because Christianity is anti-religion. It's not about all the relics and about all the rules and regulations. It's about doing life and our spiritual life together with the body of Christ. And I've had to admit that, and I've had to see the value of that. In some ways, I've had to let go of my own excuses and my own you know, ideas and had to submit myself, just like Carla Beth saying a few minutes ago, and say, God, I'm available. What, what is it you want me to do? Teach me, show me, open my heart, my mind, change my mind so that I can see that I need to be available not only to you but to the body of Christ and to other people. Now listen, I'm, I'm going to do the best I can over the next just few minutes. I'm not going to keep you long. Just for a few minutes, I'm going to do everything I can to make a case for community and to say, hey, join in, jump in. And if we get to the end of this message and you're like, you know what, thank you, but no thanks. I'm going to stay the way I am. I don't want to listen to do what you say. That's fine, okay? That's fine. But at least you have an open mind at the end. My hope is that. So here's the big question. Why care about community? One overall reason. You and I thrive in healthy relationships. I don't think I need to spend a lot of time convincing you of that. I think we know that. Because we are designed for one another. We thrive in healthy relationships and we break down in unhealthy relationships. When we're in a growing, positive, healthy relationship, we're content, we're happy, we're creative, we're passionate, we're productive. When we don't find those kind of relationships within a group, we're disappointed, uh, we feel lonely, we feel discontent, we're unhappy, and we pull ourselves away from that group and try to find it somewhere else. We're on a constant search to find like-minded people we can do life with. We've had a lot of people over 20 years, I'll be here 20 years this coming November, two decades that I've done everything I can to lead Forest Park forward. And we've had a lot of people come through our doors over a 20-year period. And many people have come in and they love it. And they're just like, Scott, I just love this church. They brag about it. They can't get enough of it. And in a few months, they're gone. And that used to really bother me, and I didn't understand how that was possible. I thought I did something wrong. I thought maybe the church did something wrong. And, you know, and I've learned over time that one main reason that is true is that they never accepted responsibility to build healthy relationships here. And it's the relationships that keep you. It's the circles of friends that keep you connected and doing life together. Not the sermon, not the songs, but the relationships you build within the body of Christ at a local church. They have relationships at work or at home or the country club or the hunting club, but they never took the initiative to build those relationships here. And they start missing more and more, and eventually they stop entirely. They're gone. And that's not something that I can do for someone. I mean, I can come alongside. I can do everything I can to inspire in a message. I can do everything I can to inspire in music. I can do everything I can to put social media out there, to challenge you, to teach, to bring truth. But I cannot make you create friends and make you build healthy, strong relationships that will hold you when times get rough. Well, Scott, I mean, you know, as long as I got my wife and kids and a few friends at work, I'm good. I get that. I do understand that. But here's what I want to open your eyes to. There is so much more for you than that. And you are supposed to be so much more for others. 
What I hope will happen in this message is that your eyes and your heart and your mind will be open to the fact that you have more to offer the body of Christ than just sitting in a seat on Sunday morning and listening to a message and saying goodbye as you walk out. You have talents and abilities and skills. You have education. You have experiences. You have failures and successes. You have learned things about a marriage that you can deposit into other people. You know things about finances you can deposit into other people. You know things about God and about the gospels that that maybe I do not know or other people do not know. You have experience that we do not have. And when we come together and we link hearts and minds and hands and arms and we pull our resources and our money and our talent and our skills together and we care for one another, we can become an incredibly powerful beacon of hope and life and love and forgiveness and mercy and outreach into this community. You are more important than just you getting a sermon and getting a song every so many weeks and then leave. This is about relationships. We're supposed to be about other people. And the New Testament is filled with truth about how you and I are only part of something much bigger than you and I. We're part of the body of Christ, and every single part matters. And when we all come together, it is a living, breathing organism, not an organization, but an organism that is alive and well. You are a fraction of the whole. I am a fraction of the whole. And when we come together, we're the living, breathing, powerful body of Christ. Without you, we cannot be our best. And when we're not at our best, you can't be at your best. We work together. Let me explain just one huge way that that is practically carried out. Take a look at this passage in Luke 17. Jesus is speaking, and he says to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. Now, I don't think I have to spend a lot of time convincing you that is a true statement. Life has a way of throwing things at us, a curveball, a surprise, and all of a sudden, you stumble in life. I mean, you're just walking along, everything's great, you enjoy your marriage, you enjoy your job, you enjoy your church, your health, your kids, and all of a sudden, something happens. You receive an email from your work that says, listen, uh, we're, we're having to downsize, and we're not so sure your job is secure, and all of a sudden, you stumble. You go to the doctor for your annual physical, and you get some news, and all of a sudden, you stumble. Your teenager does something that you did not expect. She comes home. He comes home. Or you get a call about your son or daughter, and all of a sudden, you're stumbling. You go through a faith crisis, and all of a sudden, everything you understood about God and everything you understood about faith and everything you understood about Scripture is flipped upside down. Your husband comes home and delivers news. Your wife comes home and delivers news. And everything in your life that was humming along and going well, now you're stumbling. I said that at the very beginning. That's how I opened the message. Somewhere in your life, you're going to go through something, and when you go through that something, it's going to flip everything up in your life, and everything you understood is now going to be confusing. And according to Jesus, it doesn't matter how smart you are, how mature you are, how spiritual you are. In spite of all of that, there will be times in our lives when we stumble over something, and it will entice us. It will lure us. To walk away from God, faith, church, marriage, career, values, etc. Jesus says in this life, things that cause you to stumble are bound to come. And when they come, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. When they come, what do you hope 
will happen in that moment. Let me ask you a question in case you're still kind of resistant. That was asked of me, and when it was asked of me, it really took my breath away because I had to think about it. I wasn't thinking about it in this way. Here's the question. Do you think it's possible, do you think it's possible, just possible, that there is something out there? Say, what do you mean out there? Something you've never experienced before? Something out there in your future, because you don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know what next week holds. You don't know what next month holds. Nobody would have imagined that we would be where we are in 2019 or 2018, did you? Nobody imagined a a pandemic. Nobody imagined all the social distancing. That wasn't even really a word. Of course, I was a social distancer way before, you know, that. But some of us, you know, we just love being around people all the time. Nobody expected that. Nobody knew what, you know, coronavirus and all the masks and all the economic upheaval that's been caused and all. No, I expect you. Is there something out there in our future that you can't imagine, you can't even think about? Is there something out there that you've never experienced before that if it happened to you, if you got that phone call, if you got that doctor's report, if that happened in your life, if you lost that person, if that person or that person, that if it happened, it would cause you to consider walking away from everything you hold dear today. Your faith, your values, your husband, your wife. I think if we're honest, we'd say, yeah, I can, I can imagine that a series of events could occur in such a way that it would cause me to go, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Let me ask you this. If it's not you, do you think it's possible that your middle school student could go through it? Do you think it's possible your high school student could go through something that is so different than what you can imagine, so different than what he or she even dreams possible, that he or she would walk away from the values you have tried to instill in him or her? Is it possible that you've been going this way and trying to raise your kids a certain way, but a certain events would happen that would cause your kids to go with there and end up a long way away from what you tried to instill in them? Is that possible? Do you think there are situations and people and temptations that could cause him or her or you or your husband or wife to stumble and walk away from everything? Sure. Sure. And that is one reason, just one. Folks, there are many. This is not all. This is just one reason why community and the body of Christ is so important. Listen, genuine community is relational. It's tangible. People are paying attention when you're in community. Okay, let's, let's just be honest, all right? Your level of faith, up or down, is a very personal thing. And I don't know your level of faith. The only way that I would know your level of faith is to watch your life. But I can't look inside you and determine if you have great faith or little faith. That's a very personal matter. It's a very private thing. Your Bible reading plan. I don't know if you read the Bible. You don't read the Bible. I don't know what translation you read. I don't even know if you believe what you read. I have no idea. Your prayer life, I don't know if you pray, if you don't pray, when you pray, what you pray for, how long you pray, if you have faith when you pray, all that's very personal. Sitting in rows is actually a very private, personal matter. Most of the time, I don't know who's here or who's not here. I see the first couple of rows, and after that, it's just kind of silhouettes. They're like, really? Well, I could be on my phone. Yes, you probably could, and I wouldn't know it, except for the front row. It's a very private thing. People will miss two, three, four weeks in a row, and I have no idea they haven't been here until I see them at Walmart or something. And they'll, hey, uh, listen, I hadn't been in church in a while. I'm like, oh, really? They just confess. I had no idea. It's a very private thing. It's a very personal thing. I don't keep up with everybody's attendance. But listen, walking away from a circle of friends who know you 
and who love you and who care about the overall well-being of you and your marriage and your life, that's not private. That's public. There are people paying attention. Because you see, if you meet in a group of 10, 12, 15 people every single week for a year, and then all of a sudden you quit, and you don't show up for a month, people know. And they care enough about you to call you. And they care enough about you to say, hey, what's going on? They care enough about you when you're laughing and you're happy and you're, you're jolly, and then all of a sudden you're depressed and you're sad. When your kids are going through something, they know about it. When your marriage is kind of cracking, they, they can see it, they can feel it. When you're sick and you're in the hospital or you're not doing well in your job, they can feel it, they know it, and they're there with you when you start to stumble. This is why it's vital. You and I are a part of a structured, consistent group of people whom we do life with. Because as Andy Stanley so insightfully said, and I wrote this down years ago, it's almost impossible to stumble out of community. So you you can stumble out of Bible reading and nobody will know. You can stumble out of prayer and nobody will know. You can stumble out of church attendance in a lot of ways and very few people know. But if you've got a circle of friends you do life with and you meet with them all the time and you stumble out of that, they know. They know. You see, as a pastor, I, I... I get a front row seat to listen to a lot of people's tragic stories. And I hold every single story sacred, and it's, it's a private matter. And I weep with those who are weeping and try to laugh with those who are laughing and be a source of hope and peace and stability. And I hear stories of drugs and affairs and divorces and pain and sickness and suffering. And we're human, and I don't have any judgment. It's just the way it is. And I sit across from people, and I listen, and sometimes I... I'm at a loss as to what to say. I don't know what to say. I've learned that people can get themselves into holes so deep, it's almost impossible for them to pull themselves out. I mean, they're just in the hole, and it's deep. It's a rabbit hole. And this is what I think sometimes when someone's talking to me. They tell me about their high school student, or they're talking about their husband or their wife, or they're talking about whatever. I think, you know, where were the people who loved you Did anybody say anything? Because you see, to get to where you are, and the things you're talking to me about right now in my office, there were like 15 other decisions you made before you got to the one that brought you here. Did, Did anybody along that line of 15 decisions say anything to you? Where were the people who cared about your marriage? Where were the people who cared about your finances? Where were the people who cared about your kids? Did, did, did anybody warn you about that guy? Because, you know, he has a reputation around the community. Did anybody tell you about that? Did anybody step in and go, hey, listen, 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 I just want to talk to you. I, I love you and I care for you. Did, did anybody say, don't do that? Did anybody step in the way and say, hey, um, your husband's kind of going off the deep end here? Did anybody get to the guy and say, hey, you're going off the deep end? And then I realized, that in that person's life, there were very few wise people. They didn't have any friends who were there to help them up, and it was tragic. But see, it wasn't because there were no people available. It's that they failed to build the relationships in their lives when things were going well. And now when they needed them, there isn't anybody there. When they were in church, they merely sat in rows. 
And they listened to a sermon every now and then and heard some songs every now and then, but they never built relationships with people who could pick them up when they fell. Listen to the wisest man who ever lived, Solomon. Ecclesiastes 4, he says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. Everybody in this room who reads that would go, makes sense, that is wise. No wonder he is the wisest man who ever lived. Makes perfect sense. If you got two people and one person falls, the other person can pull them out of the ditch. One person trips, the other person can help them up. That makes sense. Two are better than one. But listen to the warning he gives in the very next verse. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Think about it. Somebody falls down and can't pull themselves up, and there's no one else to help them either. You just lay there. Pity the man, pity the woman, pity the teenager who has no one to help him or her up. Pity the person who has no one relationally strong enough, wise enough to step in and say, let me help you up. Because when you're down, you need people around you who refuse to give up on you. Now, folks, look, I've, I've been reminded since the last time that I brought a message like this to Forest Park that some people don't want people to help them. I get that. I get that. In fact, there are some people who do not want people to tell them what to do. They don't want to be helped when they fall. They prefer to be left alone and figured out on their own. We've had people leave Forest Park simply because they were challenged. They didn't want to be challenged. They made up their mind. They read a book or heard a TED Talk or their family member convinced them, and now they don't need the body of Christ anymore, and they're fine on their own. They only want people surrounding them who believe the same, vote the same, say the same things, protest the same way, support the same way, everything. They just want a conformity group, not a community group, and there's a difference. Community is about surrounding yourself with people who will challenge you, who will ask the hard questions, who will notice when you're stepping away. Conformity is just about people who see everything in life pretty much the same way you do. And what I've learned is a lot of times that entire group falls off together. That's why I just, I, I don't really chase people anymore. I used to, but I don't. I used to whine and dine if necessary, beg into the point of embarrassment. Not anymore. If someone chooses community, that's awesome. If they choose not to have community, hey, look, you know what? Maybe you're just not there in life yet, and maybe you'll get it somewhere else. That's fine. I don't care where, just as long as you have it. I don't think Forest Park's the only game in town. My goodness. Wonderful churches, wonderful leaders. I don't care. Just find a place where you can have community so that people can love you, support you, help you, and keep you in life and keep you moving. Now, let me wrap this thing up by looking at the parents and talking to you for a moment, okay? This is my shot at the parents. Man, why would you not want your kids to learn these values right now? Because it's a lot harder to try to learn the values of relationships when you're 30. It's a whole lot easier to start instilling it in your kids when they're young. Teach them the value of groups. Teach them the value of small groups. Teach them the value of a circle of friends in their life who will care for them when they stumble. Listen, I'm not talking about just coaches and teachers and uncles and family members. That's important. We need that. But I'm talking about spiritual community, spiritual stumbling, 
And I don't know. I'm a little partial, but I don't know of a more committed, loving, caring, and graceful kids director than our kids director, Allison Chandler. She gives and gives and gives for our kids and gives to our parents freely. She works hours upon hours preparing, teaching, scheduling, and now trying to lead all the VBS to give a place for kids to come and put them in groups and make friends and be a spiritual mentor and do everything she can to help love our children. Why would you not want them around her and so many others at Forest Park who love kids every single chance they get? Students, man, we put them into every, sign, every kind of activity, don't we? We fill their lives with stuff and pack schedules and sports and education and dating and cars and trucks. But when they stumble, and they will, spiritually, who will come? Will the soccer coach come and help them spiritually stand? Will the basketball coach that they have spent hours upon hours and hours in the team, will they come around and help them follow Jesus? Those are important, they're important, but do we also consider their spiritual life? And I'm going to tell you, Preston Waller, our student pastor, cares about your students. Cares about your students. He not only cares, he is qualified to assist them with making good decisions, growing in their faith, figuring out their spiritual journey. Why would you not want them to be around someone like that as much as possible? Let me get really personal, okay? Can you imagine the difference this would have made in your life if your father had a group of men who didn't give up when he stumbled when you were a kid? If they would have carried him wherever he needed to go, if they would have challenged him to be a spiritual leader in your home, if they would have challenged him to have character, how much of a difference would it have made in your life if when you were in high school and some of the decisions you made then that you now regret, somebody would have stepped in your life and said, hey, don't go down that road. Been there, done that, I'm telling you, bridge is out, you're gonna crash. What, what difference could that have made in your life if somebody would have been there to pick you up and refuse to give up on you? What would it have been like for a group of men, group of women, group of young students to gather around you and helped you during those times? What if somebody would have fought for you in your first marriage? and help fight for your marriage even when you didn't want to fight for it. I'm just, just asking, what could that have meant? That's why we believe circles are better than rows. When you're going through the time of stumbling, rows do not matter that much. Sitting in a seat and listening to another sermon pales in comparison to having someone come alongside you, pick you up, and hold you until you regain your footing that matters so the question is do you have those kind of people and the question is are you those kind of people to others folks listen okay we need you that's all there is to it this pandemic has been a tough thing all the social distancing and people kind of dislodging from groups and our groups shutting down and we've seen the pain of that and the social distancing has created a lot of difficult things in people's lives. And we want to be a source of hope. And we want to be a place where there's somewhere for you to connect. But we cannot do it without leaders. We can't do it without facilitators. We can't do it without hosts. We can't do it without people who will say, you know what, you can use my house. Hey, you know what, I'll facilitate a group. 
hey, I'll, I'll help with kids. I'll help with students. I won't just sit on my butt on a row. I'll get up and be part of a group. Very specifically, look at this right here. Kid Venture, right now, we need 10 new volunteers. 10 new volunteers who will serve one service one time a month. One service one time a month. That's it. But that's a lot for Kid Venture. Our next, our students at Next, we need 10 new volunteers on our next to help with students. You know what, specifically what we need right now is we need one middle school girls leader, somebody who will step in and lead our middle school girls. One time in the, in the group, when Preston can give you the details of exactly what is needed, but not that much. You'd be surprised at how little of a difference, I mean, how much of a difference you can make with a little bit of time. We need one high school girls leader. We need one high school boys leader right now. And we need seven people who will serve in hospitality, help with food, opening doors, welcoming students when they come. We're meeting twice a month right now in Next. Little time make a huge difference. Right now, we need adult group leaders, people who will open up their homes for groups, people who will facilitate a group. You can email Dakota. Dakota right now is leading our groups at Forest Park. We're getting ready to relaunch, try to get groups back together again as more of the social distancing restrictions are being lifted and we can gather together more safely. We need people to say, you can count on me. I'll do it. You're going to get a survey coming up, I think, tomorrow. This afternoon, tomorrow, very early, you're going to get a survey. It's a very simple survey from Forest Park. We're trying to assess volunteers, trying to assess where people are, what they can do, what interest levels they have. We want to know so we can help make groups, help provide places for kids, help provide places for students, because we truly believe circles are better than rows. Life change happens in relationships, not sitting on a row listening to a sermon. But we got to have people step up. That's where you make the difference. Let's pray. Father, we need community. We need friends. We need people who will come around us, who will hold us, who will encourage us, who will be there when we stumble. Because God, things in life that cause us to stumble, they are bound to come. But we don't have to do it alone. And one of the most beautiful things about Christianity is that we don't have to do it alone. This is about the body of Christ coming together. This is not about a one-man show, a one-woman show who's trying to climb up the steps of religion and please you, God. We have been blessed. We have been forgiven. We have been given mercy. We are secure in you, and now we can help others know the same thing. And build places where they can come and sit and receive hope and receive love and receive grace and mercy. God, may we be source of encouragement, sources of love, sources of hope for this entire city. Give us leaders who will step up and say, you can count on me. I'll serve our kids. I'll serve our students. I'll open up my home. I'll be a group leader. I'll join whatever it is in this church you need so that we can continue to be strong and reach more people, not so that we have more people in seats. That's not what it's about, but so that our body represented here at Forest Park is strong and healthy and we can help those who need us when they need us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us this privilege of serving your body through this local church. We ask these things in Jesus' name.
I hope you have an incredible day. Thanks for being with us.